Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. It's not hard for us to imagine a zealous mother coming to ask for special favors for her children, is it? The story goes that Mrs. Zebedee, we don't know her name, it's just this awkwardly phrased, you know, the mother of the sons of Zebedee. So we'll call her Mrs. Zebedee. Uh, she comes to Jesus to ask for special favors for her boys, James and John. She even kneels down, right, to get the full effect. She's like, oh, Lord Jesus, would you please do this for me? You know, grant that when you come into your kingdom, Lord, and when you sit on your throne, let my boys have the places of honor, if you would, uh, to sit at your left and on your right to have power, to have fame. Can, can any teachers relate to this story, public servants? You ever had a parent come to you because they're convinced their child is different than all the other kids? And so for 20 minutes, they tell you about how important their child is and how great their child is. And you're just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. You're trying to be nice. You're trying to be gracious. You're like, remember, remember, they really believe this stuff they're saying. But you got to break it to them, right? You got to break it like there's, look, there's, I, I appreciate your kids, but there's no special treatment here, right? We, we love all the kids the same. Every, every child gets my best, right? And you're a little bit insulted that they would assume that their child doesn't already get your best because the child already gets what you have to give them. Now, some children would be embarrassed by this, right? Mom. You're embarrassing us in front of Jesus, right? But not James and John. Apparently, they're in on it because Jesus asked them very candidly, can you guys drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And without hesitating, they're like, yep, no problem, Jesus. We can drink the cup. And the fact that they didn't hesitate tells you a lot about their understanding or lack of understanding, doesn't it? Because what is the cup? Well, the cup is the cup of suffering, isn't it? The cup is, what's in the cup? It's the blood of Jesus, which means the cup stands for the crucifixion. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to die for the sins of the world. Can you die for the sins of the world? This is suffering that Jesus does. And so it, it seems that James and John, you know, want the honor without, without the suffering. Uh, they want the status without the suffering. They want to wear the crown without paying the cost you see, the way you get to have the title king in the kingdom of God is by dying for the people, right? That's how you assume the title and the honor of being the king is you die for the people. And so Jesus takes this time to teach his disciples, and he gathers all the 12, and the story says the other 10 were indignant, right? Because, well, you guys think you're better than us? right? I mean, wait till they get James and John alone in a room, right? And they're like, dudes, that's not cool. You know, we know how you live. We know the things you say and where you sleep. You're not better than us. Why are you going asking for special favors? And Jesus takes this moment to teach. He says, look, you know, the rulers of this world lord it over us, right? The rulers of this world take their positions because they enjoy power and fame and wealth, and then he says these four words, not so with you. Not so with you. In other words, you're different. 
Or if you're not, you're supposed to be different if you follow Jesus. You see, because you serve a different king and you live in a different kingdom. Not so with you. You have a different life. You run a different race. You see, friends, God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom, isn't it? And how do we know that? Well, because we know that the least is actually the greatest in God's kingdom. The last person is first, and the servant is the one who is greatest of all. Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I want you to appreciate for a moment how extraordinary this is. The only one in the world who deserves to be served, to be waited on hand and foot, chooses to reject that, and instead he serves us. Now, isn't that amazing, friends, that the Lord of heaven and earth gives his life for you? He serves you, children of God, to show you the character of God's grace and love for you. So if we want to participate in this work of salvation this, that God is doing, we have got to be willing to be like Jesus in this sense. We've got to be willing to serve rather than be served. Today we're talking about service, friends, and this is week three in our series. Our series is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. All during this Easter season, we're talking about how to cut hurry out of our life and, and find rest and find peace and refocus ourselves on the way of Jesus Christ and the gifts that God has for us. So we started two Sundays ago with a sermon, a really good sermon from Mark on simplicity. Then last week we talked about Sabbath and the rhythm of Sabbath worship and rest. Today we're talking about service in line with our day of service to our neighbors. The church has left the building. Next Sunday is silliness. Really excited to talk to you about play, godly play. And then finally a, a sermon on sleep at the end of the series. But for today, we're talking about service, and we want to practice what we preach. Today, as the church has left the building, this is our annual day of worship and of mission. And as we finish today, you're invited to go out and join us in our mission projects. Again, we're gathering down at the other end of the building at Hughes Hall. I know the weather's not that great today, but we're going to push through, okay? So don't be deterred by the rain. We're going to stick it out and do it. Um, now, let me mention this. One of you pointed out the tension between last week's sermon on Sabbath and this week's activity of serving and working uh, because, Pastor, you said last week that we were supposed to be resting on Sunday, and now you're telling us to work. Gotcha. <laughs> busted. Busted. Um, okay, what can we say about that? Well, a couple things. Uh, one is today's kind of an exception, right? We do this once a year. Um, so you can rest 51 Sundays and you can work today. Um, but, but theologically speaking, let's think theologically. I love to think theologically with you. Is there a difference between working for yourself or working for your neighbor? Is there a difference between working for your employer versus working for your neighbor? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so, right? So Jesus certainly thought so. 
Jesus thought there was a difference between work for self and self-promotion versus blessing your neighbor who has a real need. In fact, Jesus got himself in trouble with the Pharisees. Maybe you know the story because he healed a man on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees just lost their minds because Jesus was working on the Sabbath. And Jesus was like, look, it's always the right time to do good no matter what the calendar says. And Sabbath day is a good day to work and bless your neighbor. And so let's have full confidence, friends, that this is a good and right thing in the way of Jesus to bless our neighbor on the Sabbath. So I want to briefly say three things about service as an antidote to hurry. Okay, so first, uh, that we are released to serve. Second, I want to talk about the margin to serve. And third, I want to talk about what it means to do small acts of service. So first, let's talk about what it means to be released to serve. Our mission in Timberlake is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so in that spirit, today is a, excuse me, a launching point for mission. We, we are being sent out. We are being released, right? So imagine you're like you're a horse at the starting gate. You ever been to a horse race? You ever notice how the horses are at the starting gate? They're so wound up. They're so excited. Someone just has to open the gate so they can run. Right, so that's what we want to do today. We want to open the gate so you can run in mission to your neighbor and to bless them. And in that sense, today is designed to be an inspiration, to inspire our neighbors that they might look at us and say, uh-huh, there's something different about those Timberlake people, so that they might notice there's something different about this Jesus fellow, that Jesus loves them even in their sin But also, we want this to to be an inspiration to us because, friends, this is just one day, but service for the followers of Jesus is a way of life. And I need to make sure you understand, you cannot wait for the leaders, the the ministry and mission chairperson, Kathy, to organize enough projects for you to live a life of service, right? It's just impractical for us to have enough projects week after week after week so that hundreds of people can participate. That's just not going to work. And so the best way for you to serve in is not wait for the church to organize something, right? The best way for you to serve is to look around you in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, amongst your friends and neighbors, and say, Lord, how can I serve the people who are around me right now? You see? So that means the area of service then is not as much the church, it's out there in the world, right? It's where you live and work. Those are the places where you can serve your neighbor. It's a way of life. And the church's job then is to release you, to inspire you, to push you out into the world to serve in that way. Second thing, what does this look like in real life? Well, I want to suggest to you, you and I have a responsibility and an opportunity to create the margin to serve. Let's talk about margin a little bit. What does margin mean? Margin means open space. Margin means undesignated time, unscheduled time on your calendar. When you schedule a day's work, do you schedule something every moment, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock? Or do you say, you know what, I'm not going to schedule anything at this time because I need to build in a little buffer, right, a little margin, and let me suggest to you there's a big difference in the rhythm of your day when, when you do that. Uh, margin is, another way to put it, margin is the difference between your load and your limit. And so ask yourself, are you at max capacity right now in your life in terms of your work commitment and stress? Or is there a little buffer? Is there a little extra? Is there space for rest and for reflection? Because if you're anything like me, I think the temptation is to stack up appointment after appointment after appointment, 
for the sake of efficiency, right? Let me just hurry up and get this all done, and so let me just do it all and build it all in. The problem with that approach, friends, it does not leave time or space for interruption. How many of you, like me, get aggravated with interruption? Be honest. You have to tell the truth. You're in church. Right, so we don't like it, do we? It's, it's aggravating to us. Let me suggest to you, what if the interruption is the Holy Spirit? What if the Lord is saying something to you? What if the Lord is sending a person to you to interrupt? Think about all the ways God has interrupted the lives of humans in the story of this book to do His work. As a teenage girl, minding her own business, Planning a wedding with her betrothed, with her beloved Joseph. Angel shows up. Greetings, Mary. You're highly favored. You're going to have a baby. And by the way, the baby is going to be the savior of the world. That's quite an interruption, isn't it? That was not on Mary's to-do list for the day. Imagine if Mary had said, you know, sorry, uh, love you, but talk to the hand. You know, I got to I, I got a thing to do here. I got to plan the reception of the wedding. And, I, you know, we're doing the tasting this afternoon. I got to go taste the cake. Uh, but, but she allowed the interruption, right? And so, and the result of that is you and I can be saved. So, how about a guy named Saul? He's going around persecuting Christians and he's going down the Damascus Road making plans about persecuting more Christians. And then the Lord himself shows up and confronts him. Interrupts his life, interrupts his day, changes his life, changes his name. And Saul, the greatest terrorist of all, Christians of all time, becomes Paul, the greatest evangelist of Christians of all time. These are holy interruptions. And what I'm suggesting to you is, friends, margin, building margin into your day and into your life allows you to be open to those interruptions allows you to be open to the movement of the Holy Spirit. So if you are like me, and if many of your days are 100% full, imagine what it would be like if you dialed it back to 90%, and you had 10% margin, or even 80-20, or even 70-30. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Finally, let's talk about small acts of service. The world is obsessed, friends, with bigger and better and faster and more. But Jesus calls his disciples to slow down. Jesus calls his disciples to become smaller, right? The world will tell you, puff yourself up, get noticed, be important. And Jesus says, you don't got to do that. The Lord will prosper you. You can make yourself small. You can make yourself small and see what the Lord can do with you. You ever plant a garden in the summer and you, you, you plant the seed, right, and you water it? But you can't make anything grow, can you? Only the Lord can make it grow. All you can do is take that little seed and plant it and water it and wait and wait and wait, right? Friends, God gives the growth God gives the growth. You do not have to go out and try to change the world and do anything extraordinary. Small gestures of kindness can make a huge impact. And if that doesn't resonate with you, think about a time in your life when someone made a small gesture of kindness to you and how big of an impact that made. It was a note that you received when you were discouraged or as a hug that someone gave you when you were having a bad day or as a gift that you received at just the right time, or a word that someone spoke to you in just the right moment, 
And that person probably doesn't even remember doing it, right? But you do. You remember because that small thing made a big impact. In the same way, friends, you, in your small effort, in your small act of kindness, can make a big, big difference. I love what Mother Teresa said. Mother Teresa said, we cannot all do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Small things with great love. That's what today's about, friends, because the greatness comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the one who supplies it. And so we can come in humility and in faith, trusting that God will prosper us and God will multiply our efforts.